We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Kevin McMenamin. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for LP Magazine. And uh, with me today is Rob LaCamare, the VP of Asset Protection and Safety for Big Lots. Uh, good morning, Rob. Morning, Kevin. Good to be with you. Nice to have you here. And thanks everybody for joining us on another episode of Two Cents on Two Things, where we sit down with industry leaders and get their two cents on two things. Let's go to the board, Rob. We're going to take a look at our little uh, board of personal, professional, and industry political topics. You've got your choice here. Uh, Some people like to go a little safe with the personal stuff, but I'll tell you that going personal doesn't always mean it's safe. Uh, It usually opens you up a little bit more. Um, But uh, if we take a look here at personal, professional, political topics, where would you like to start? Well, You know, there's a lot of great topics there, but I think what resonates the most is family first. All right. We're going to go with family first. So interesting um, that you picked this because this is a topic that we actually just spoke um, about a week or so ago to Rhett Asher about um, and got that perspective. But I love that you're going down this path because I think that the the topic is so current right now and so relevant, um, you know, as we look for um, the environments that we want to work in and look for the, the types of people we want to work with and, and knowing that uh, we can have that work-life balance is just so important now. Um, let's get your take and your two cents on what it means uh, to put family first. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's pretty important to have the kind of balance in, between your personal and professional life. And when I had the opportunity to come to Big Lots, uh, you know, I had a 24 year run where I was at, and it was absolutely fantastic. This position opened up. And as I was interviewing, I quickly realized that the senior leaders that I was talking to, they were vetting me to make sure that if, if I were to get the position that when I came in, that I was going to have a servant leadership mentality that put family first. And in fact, it was so ingrained here at Big Lots that as I was walking through the offices from one interview to the other, I saw a wall that said your second family with photos of all kinds of different groups of people volunteering um, that that was really meant to say, hey, we're here for you. We're your second family, but we know what your first family is and, and that's what you need to take care of. So. I knew it was a great fit. It's how I like to be led. It's how I like to lead. And here I was being vetted to make sure that if I got this role, that was how I was going to show up. That's excellent. And um, so critical in today's environment, even just for, you know, for your, your personal mental health. Um, What are, what are some of the types of things that you see the company do for you in putting family first and you in turn being able to do for your, uh, your team um, in, in that same family first mentality. Yeah. The, the company provides uh, extra volunteered paid time off. So this, this is 
in addition and above and beyond the normal paid time off that you get so that either individually or as a team, if you want to go and do something to give back to a charity, to a church, et cetera, it allows you to do so. In fact, there's a website with links to make it really easy for you to sign up for a whole host of things. It doesn't have to be on that list. It could be something that personally gives you energy. So from corporate on down, they don't just say that when you get here, they provide you the resources to find the things to go out and to do good in the community. And it, it feels good to do good, especially when you can do it as a collective, as a team. COVID put a little bit of a, uh, you know, a wrench into that, but we've found ways to do those things that, that uh, we want to do to give back collectively as a team. So that's been inspiring. And then you know, from for me and my team, it's living those values. It's making sure you're paying attention to when you're hearing that somebody might be stressed out. What do they need from you? Uh, well before COVID hit, we had a, if you need to stay home and work from home, uh, no problem. Providing there wasn't something mission critical going on at the corporate office. It's the way that we were running our department a little bit prior. And we've proved we can get the work done small example of how that looks now coming back from COVID, we're still not fully back into the office, but that flexibility will be there. And that mindful eye of making sure that if people need something to take care of at home, that we're not interfering that with anything that we're asking them to do for us here at work. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So remote working before remote working was cool. That's uh... yeah. yeah. It was not at the same level, um, but one, two days a week here or there, everybody knew they had the ability to do that. And, uh, and so it wasn't that much different for us, which was good. We kind of had a try-by of that for a year and a half before COVID hit. That's great. So you already had visibility on, on the impact on productivity and probably already saw that increase that uh, the people started seeing. Yep, sure did. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Excellent. So um, your team, uh, feedback from your team, on how they, how you think they feel about the opportunities to be able to put family first? Well, when the emergencies happen, they'll probably tell you, hey, it's really hard to put family first if, if there's a bad day or robbery or some critical incident. There's always those things that happen in our asset protection and safety world that throw a curveball at us. We plan on going to our daughter's soccer game, but you know that happened short of those things that they know that they're always going to be reactive and responsible for the, the balance of planning out the schedule and making sure that travel next week versus this week to make that, you know, playoff soccer game, whatever is important to you balance it as best you can. And that's expected of me to lead. And it's expected of those that work for me that lead people as well. Of course, we're not perfect. We need to be sometimes told, hey, this extra work uh, isn't allowing me the balance that I need. So we always make sure to say, raise your hand if what we're giving you is too much. If you need help, uh, we'll get it there for you. We don't want you to feel the way you're feeling. And, uh, and then thank you for all the times where you don't get to have the balance because you know the nature of our job sometimes requires us to be there for our stores when they need us most, when on a bad day, we have to be at our best. I always say that to our teams. And so we know that sometimes that comes with the sacrifice of the balance that we desire. Yeah, and God, that's so important that that checking in 
um, with your team and that appreciation for your team. I mean, they're, they're part of that second family, right? Um, and you, you still have to, you know, while you're putting them second, you're in a lot of cases for you, it's your, your other family, right? So it's your other first um, as a leader. A lot of times we have to find that, um, you know, we, we've, we need to treat them in a way where they feel appreciated, especially when um, in this career, you know, that, that those types of things can interfere um, with, uh, with your, your evening plans or your weekend plans or, uh, or your afternoon plans, you know? Yeah, for sure. It, uh, it's always the, a balanced game that, uh, that you're looking to try to be in the right spot of. Excellent. All right. So, uh, appreciate your two cents on uh, family first. Let's move on to your second topic. What are we thinking? Uh, continuing education. What, what I see there, um, you know, I apply it to both things that I've done and in a leadership role, you know, what we've allowed. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's an important one. All right, let's start there. Now I can I can actually um, very much appreciate this topic, uh, having dedicated uh, a, a good chunk of my professional career to education, to training and awareness and communication and so forth. Um, and uh, and congratulations to you uh, having just been named as a um, to the board of directors for the Loss Prevention Foundation. So Thank you. very excited to have you uh, as part of that family, um, which is another one of my families having. Uh, co-founded the foundation some well, we're in 15 years now so um some time back but tell me about your early times with the foundation and some of the other pieces of education that uh, i know are important to you yeah i'm a charter member of the loss prevention foundation so real early on you mentioned it 15 years ago believed in the initiative uh, wanted to be better myself knew that if i surrounded myself with those professionals that for sure i'd pick something up and it would be helpful for me. Also, certified forensic interviewer was one of the, the early um, CFIs uh, as well, um, honing my interviewing craft, making sure that I was as good as I could be. So I took it personally, those opportunities that were there. It's, it's not always about just trying to get a degree when you're looking at education. You're looking at what are the opportunities out there that I can learn from people, learn um, from others that have done, you know, and been there, and then what certifications are out there that I can look to. And, uh, and it, it wasn't just those two, certainly, as I moved on into a leadership role, um, I became actively involved with Loss Prevention Research Council, with RELA, with NRF, and all of the different educational programs that they offer via webinars, you know, conference calls. Of course, there's in-person conferences, and what those educational sessions and breakouts were, the networking, all of those things were, were really important for me to be where I am today, to learn from those before me and those fighting the same fight alongside me. You know, how do you, how do you be better? How do you get better? Well, and you learn so much in those environments too, learning, learning from each other, right? Both successes and failures. Um, you know, and I know in this industry, we're not afraid to even share the failures when something doesn't work you know, don't do what I did, um, as well as, hey, this worked for me. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, it could work for you as well. Um, those environments tend to really, really foster that, don't they? Yeah, they do. And uh, from a don't do what I did moment, I, I can share one with you. 
And that was, uh, I was working with somebody and really pushing them to be better and, and imploring upon them the importance of continuing education and how we shouldn't rest on our laurels that every year we need to be better and improve upon um, our performance. Even if we've just had great performance, we should always be better. And I got this dejected look as if they weren't buying in. So I said, what, am I, you know, what am I missing? You know, do you not agree? And sadly, what I was communicating to them was nothing you ever do is going to be good enough. And wow, was that uh, a, an eye opener for me because it's the last thing I intended. I didn't want them to think that they weren't appreciated. And so it's really important to make sure that, yeah, you can um, talk about continuing education, how you'd be better year over year, but take the time to appreciate your teams in real time for accomplishments, reward it and acknowledge it. And by the way, once you do all of those the right way, you can still then expect to be better the next year. But it was in the way I was communicating it. And, uh, and it gave me kind of an eye opener of how I lead, what, what I say, my words matter. Continuing education is important, but appreciation in the moment uh, has to come first or you, know, you might send the wrong message. Well, and I think that's also, you know, that's part of the continuing education process. You know, when we talk about continuing education to people um, and they think about college degrees and they think about certifications and so forth, but don't you think a big piece of continuing education is also self-reflective, right? What could I do better? Um, what am I not you know, uh, executing well on, you know, and those types of things. And, and that might even be in personal relationships or professional relationships, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if you don't think about those things introspectively and how you can do and be different and be, be a different, better leader, uh, then you're kind of missing the point of what continuing education is all about. You have to be able to have that and have an honest people around you that will share that feedback. Uh, really helps because no one wants to have a blind spot. We all have them. And if someone can call those out for you, remove that landmine, it only allows you that opportunity to be better at what it is that you're trying to be. So being open, having honest people around you, being open to the ideas of what you can learn and be better yourself. Yeah. All very critical. And important. Yeah. It's all about that self-improvement and self-growth, you know, whether it's through an education program or whether it's through, self-reflective um, or feedback from others and, and really learning not to take that type of feedback, you know, um, you take it to heart, but not personally, right? The, the idea is to use it to grow from it, but not use it to feed some type of negative resentment or, you know, something um, that fosters that negative environment, right? Yeah, that's, that's when you have those trustworthy people around you that will tell you those things and call those things out for you. It makes it a lot easier to, to hear. It's, it's sometimes difficult to, to hear feedback, uh, especially if it's critical, but yeah. there's nothing more that I appreciate. Um, it takes courage, but I also think that it, you know, if you're who you say you are as a leader, then you better have that open mind to hearing that to be better. Yeah. And sometimes it's not easy to hear, but you know, like you said, the other thing is, just be able to separate that. And, you know, I've always tried to use the, the philosophy, the philosophy of uh, bygones, right? So it's been said, it's done, you know, we got past it bygones, let's move forward and let's be positive about it. Thank you for the, you know, constructive feedback and, and, you know, I appreciate you. So, um, 
that's great. That's great. All right. So let's get, uh, let's thank you for the, the, the two cents on uh, two topics there. I want to go back to the, the board here because I want to talk about something that I know is really important to you. And that is um, the charity that uh, you have uh, brought to us for this episode, uh, Pelotonia, right? Is that, am I saying that right? You are, yes. Beautiful. Tell us about Pelotonia. Yeah, it started around 12 years ago uh, here in Columbus. It's a, it's a bike, not a race, but a ride. And it's a community event with one goal to end cancer. And who hasn't been impacted by this disease? It really resonated with me. I lost my father to cancer at an early age. And uh, both places that I've worked, where I came from, as well as uh, Big Lots, have supported this. What's great about it, not only are they given $220 million and every dollar earned goes towards the James Cancer Center, but it brings groups of people together to ride. And you don't have to be a professional racer or bike rider. Any bike will do. And there are multiple different um, on race day um, miles that you can ride a few leisurely miles all the way on up to a two day, you know, 200 miler. That's, that's pretty serious, but it brings the, the company together for one common mission. You're riding groups, you raise money to do good together. And it especially resonated this year. My sister was diagnosed earlier in 21 with breast cancer and because of events like Pelotonia, the treatment that she got, she's fully recovered here by the time the, the year's over, completely cancer-free. So it just rings home for me as an important thing that touches everybody uh, in a, you know, a fun way to do it through uh, a company and an incredibly important cause that you know, has impacted the lives of just so many. That's wonderful. And um, sorry to hear that, uh, that your sisters had to go through that, but uh, how wonderful that you know, the treatment has been uh, effective and um, that's, that's a blessing right there. That's wonderful. Um, let yeah, me tell so folks how to, how to donate here. We want to uh, tell you to go to pelotonia.org, P-E-L-O-T-O-N-I-A.org. If you click on the top right corner, there's a little green button that says give. If you click on the give in the top right corner, um, you can either donate direct to the forward fund using the link, or if you enter in Rob's name, so Rob, last name, L-A-C-O-M-M-A-R-E. Um, that'll actually take you to his page and you can make donations um, right to his page as well. Um, and uh, Rob, we're going to be making a $300 donation uh, this morning to, uh, to your page. So you'll see that popping up shortly. Wow, that's and, outstanding. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. And we encourage everybody else to, uh, to jump on that uh, bandwagon and or jump on a bike and, uh, and participate and, um, in whatever way that you can get involved and make an impact. All right. Two quick things before we go, Rob. Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of things that, that I know that I now know about you that I didn't know before. Um, and I think maybe we should grab one of those. Let's talk about one of those things that, that most people don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I'd say very few know this. Uh, about 15 years ago, I was at a regional meeting uh, in rural Pennsylvania, south of Pittsburgh. And I had four hours to kill. And I found that there was a world famous home by architect Frank Lloyd right nearby called Falling Water. So 
I said, hey, little bit of culture, got to kill some time anyway. Meeting's not started. I'll drive on over there and tour it. And what I didn't expect was just how awestruck I was at how this house got here, how this guy built this when he did. Seemed like it was futuristic 100 years ahead of its time. So had me curious, and thus I read a biography about Frank Lloyd Wright. Fast forward 15 years later, while I've been traveling, because it's always been required for my job, I've kind of looked up where the different built works that he had were in all the states across the country, and have now seen over 220 of his built works. Of course, I wow. crossed a lot of those off in Chicago and Wisconsin, where they're heavily uh, tilted. Uh, but I think there's 11 different states now that I've seen them in, and uh, it's kind of a passion of mine. I still have 200 more to go, but uh, it's, I certainly enjoy trying to kill time on side trips when I'm out there looking at uh, you know his creations throughout the country. Wow, that's incredible. 220. That's uh, so 15 years. That's quite a few. Well, you do travel a lot. So I'm sure that uh, that helps make some of the, that travel a little more worthwhile, too, I bet. So that's great. Oh, very fun. All right. Well, last one. Um, and I probably know the answer to this based, based on uh, your first topic. Uh, let's talk about what you're most proud of. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's a, a layup right there for me. It's, it's my family. It's, it's my three kids. I, I got an 18, a 20 and a 22 year old. So I'm about two thirds of the way from being an empty nester and uh, <laughs> one college graduate, one in college and one making the tours right now to figure out where she's going to be. And there's just not a single more important job that you're ever going to have than being a father. So uh, I can guarantee you that my wife would answer it the same way. Uh, tons of things I'm proud of at work, but nothing comes close to that. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. And, and that, that empty nester thing is both um, terrifying and exciting at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it sure is. Uh, I, I think my wife and I go in between being reverse empty nesters where we can't wait for them all to be out of the house to, wait a minute, why did you leave? Where are you? Come back. So <laughs> we're kind of experiencing a little bit of that. And COVID gave us that rebound a little bit because they were gone and they were back before they were gone again. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, cr crazy proud of, of the you know who they've become and, and uh, certainly, you know, the work my wife and I have done Excellent, Rob. Well, uh, congratulations to you and your success with your first family, uh, as well as with your second family. And we look forward to all of the great things to come uh, from both um, as your kids embark out in the world and uh, as your second family continues to um, drive those successes out in the retail industry. So thank you again for your time today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Uh, this is another episode of Two Cents on Two Things. I'm Kevin McMenamin. The Chief Operating Officer for LP Magazine. Uh, we've been talking with Rob Lakamari, the VP of Asset Protection and Safety for Big Lots. Thanks again, Rob. And uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Everybody stay safe. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Kevin. Be well.